Hey, friends and listeners, we want to welcome you back to the podcast. We also want to invite you to join us over on the Right Side Up community over on Facebook. I know Facebook can be a bad scene these days, but we've created a safe space to dialogue about how to live and lead healthy in these upside down times. And we call that the Right Side Up Leader. We have a Right Side Up journal. We have a Right Side Up community on Facebook, and we here have the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. And so we are attempting this crazy thing that is to live and lead healthy in these times, but to lead for the long haul. And if we're going to lead that way, we've got to lead differently. We're going to think about priorities, margin, intention with our time, with our energy, who we are as leaders, the culture that we are setting. And those are the kind of topics that you're going to hear about right here on the podcast also the kind of topics that we discuss in our Right Side Up journal, also the topics that we continue to conversate about over on the Right Side Up community on Facebook. And this is actually a two-part series. It was so good, I didn't want to stop the interview with Faith Cho. Now, Faith and her husband, David, are planting a church currently in New Jersey. She's a mom of four. She's a CEO. She started a ministry that's literally reaching women across the country. And this was an amazing conversation, especially if you are a female leader, especially if you are a mom. Listen in to part one this week. Now, part two next week, we talk about how hard it's been for her to process Asian hate in this season and the challenges culturally of this time. But we talk a lot about limiting beliefs up front, about the challenges of being a leader, uh, being a female leader, and also being a leader who happens to be a mom and the challenges and the tensions of that. So just really good stuff here from an incredible gospel-centric leader, an amazing communicator, Faith Cho. I hope you enjoy this conversation, but don't forget to tune in for the next episode as part two really, really heats up. Love this conversation with Faith. Hope you'll join us over on the Right Side Up community to follow up on conversations just like these. Well, Faith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You do a lot. I mean, I like I do a lot, but man, when I was looking at your bio and what you do, I'm going, man, she has a ton going on. So just kind of give us a glimpse into your life, maybe in the typical week of faith in your family. What's what's happening and what are you up to? Yeah. So I am from New Jersey, the New York City metropolitan area. Um, I am a mom of four um, at the tail end of a pandemic, which is, says a lot in itself. Um, I'm also a pastor, uh, did the typical pastoral route, MDiv, um, things like that. Uh, my family and I, we are a church planting family. I also run a nonprofit organization called the Honor Summit, uh, which impacts women, Christian women around the world. And yeah, I write, I speak, I, I do whatever the Lord tells me. I just go as the spirit leads, but yeah, I do have my hand in a lot of things, so it can get pretty crazy. You do all the things. Um, share a little bit about that call uh, to plant. So why are you guys planting and why specifically there in Jersey? Yeah, you know, people ask me that all the time. When I, when I tell them we are church planting, where? New Jersey. Why New Jersey? <laughs> it's almost like it resonates like uh, what can come from New Jersey? What can come from Nazareth? You know, it's, right. it almost has the same 
uh, tone, uh, just because, yeah, like, why not New York? Uh, well, one, God led us here. That's for sure. Um, I'm not originally from New Jersey, but we really felt like the Lord was leading us to this region. There's just something about um, this space across the river of the largest city in America um, that, yeah, that really craves freedom, rest, and purpose, the things that only God can provide. Um, we found that it was a really special mix of people. It's not just suburban people, but people that are also from New York that lives in New Jersey. Um, it's extremely diverse. Uh, there's a very prominent special needs community here too, that, um, or a community with special needs as is preferred. Um, but yeah, and that's one of our larger missional callings for our church. We really believe that the community with special needs is an unreached people group in America. Um, and so many of them get turned away from churches. And so we really felt like, what would it look like if New Jersey, if Jesus walked through New Jersey and New York, well, where would he go? <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, and our heart just beat like for a church that could really reach the marginalized. Mm. And when you're in the city, uh, when you are marginalized, uh, you cry out loud and you suffer out loud. You know, that's kind of the tone in the city. Um, it's very easy to, to point out and to notice who needs help. But in the suburbs, people cry silently. People suffer silently. Mm. And it's really easy to be marginalized and overlooked in a church. Um, and people just not know. And after 16 years of ministry, one of the things that my husband and I really felt was, who are the people that the church generally disciples? Oftentimes, it's your gifted the ones with the most time, it's the, you know, ones with a bit of charisma, the ones that you like being around, you know, it's usually the ones like that, that get discipled. But what about the family with um, a child with special needs? Like, what about the single mother? What about the formerly incarcerated? People that can be so easily overlooked in a suburban church. And so, yeah, that's just our heartbeat to bring rest, purpose, and freedom into New Jersey. Wow. And New Jersey has one of, um, if not the highest population of special needs families in the country. Is that true? Uh, that I do not know for sure, but it is prominent. Mm -hmm. for, and I do know that the special needs education um, is fairly good in New Jersey. Um, I don't know if it's one of the best or not. However, all we know is that the Lord brought us here. And that's just been one of the main things that have been placed into our hearts. You know, you see families with children um, with, uh, that are on the spectrum, that you see families with children in wheelchairs all the time, mm -hmm. you know, but yet, like, do we as a church stop? You know, do we as a church stop for them? Like, or do we just kind of acknowledge and move on, you know, um, create our large stages, um, disciple are really gifted and talented and promising uh, young Christians in our churches? Or do we actually uh, allow ourselves to be slowed down and almost in a way inconvenienced to really yeah. care about the things that God really cares about? And this is just something that I've been burning in our hearts. In the beginning, that wasn't the goal. You know, in the beginning, the Lord just led us to New Jersey 
and said, I want a spirit-filled, spirit-led church here. This is the area. I want you to do it here. Um, and I have so many stories on what that looked like, what that actually looked like for us as a family. When people asked me, what has it been like to plant a church in 2020? I said, it's like walking on water. <laughs> it's truly like walking on water. Literally every bill, every team member, everything is just, God, where do we go? You know, it's like following the pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke. He goes 10 steps to the left, you know, uh, one mile forward, you stop here. You know, it was literally like that. And so as we were on that journey, the Lord put it in our hearts. Hey, this is, this is part of my heart. I really want uh, this to be at the frontier of your ministry, mm. which is the special needs community or the community with special needs. Yeah. And tell, tell me about your heart for the honor summit. How did that start and a little bit more about how that helps women? Oh yeah. I love this one. So, um, I have had four children in a span of five to six years. So that in itself, I mean, that's a miracle right there. It is. It is. And you're and still alive to speak of it. And you're still I, sane. You're doing a man. Uh, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, you're winning. <laughs> yeah. So I started ministry at an extremely young age, around 19 years old. Uh, I was thrusted into leadership at a fairly early age. And I think there's a lot of pros and cons to that. Um, I also got married at an early age, started to have children when I was 25. Um, and you know what, when you are having so much life change happen in such a truncated period of time, I mean, it really does a wearing on your soul and on your, in your mind. Um, and I remember after I had my fourth child, I was at this place where I lost vision. I was exhausted. And my husband is also a pastor and a minister. And so I kind of felt like, you know what, maybe this is, this is a cue from God. You know, there's no vision, there's no energy. So maybe this is just a sign that I'm just, I'm going to just end it here, you know, and I'm going to be a faithful supporter for my husband, raise my children well, and just die a happy woman. Like that (laughs) that was my mentality. And I felt like there's nothing wrong with that, truly. Um, But, you know, there was a, something in me, I really felt like I needed to um, go to this one conference. And I remember it was this one line that came out during this conference, which is he who has the most hope has the most authority. Wow. And I, um, yeah, I was just, I realized, man, this is not wisdom. This is just hopelessness. You know, Um, I was just settling because I've lost hope. So I actually went into a season of just praying and fasting. I didn't know what it was for, but every week I would just fast. I'd get all the people that I was pastoring fast with me. Why? I don't know. Let's just fast. And we would just spend time with God every week. God, whatever, whatever it is that you have in your heart, we're here. It doesn't matter what it is. And I remember just doing that with no agenda, just pressing into the heart of God. And I remember after about six months, I woke up one morning and I just felt it in my heart. God saying, uh, start a women's conference. And man, I was like, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't like women's conferences. I did not give up my whole life to go into ministry uh, so that I could 
encourage women to feel good about serving God. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, just read the Bible. It says it in the Bible. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't, at that time, I just really didn't like being typecasted because, you know, when I would be invited into a table of leadership with other men, it would often be to fulfill a niche, a, a particular topic. Hey, can you talk about women's purity? Hey, can you talk about biblical womanhood? Uh, but what about, can I talk about the gospel? Mm-hmm. You know, can I, can mm-hmm. I talk about Jesus? Can I talk about like, you know, and that was kind of where I was at. And plus I was hormonal. I was jaded. I was tired. So, you know, when I felt that from God, my immediate reaction was no. Um, but I just felt God's peace. Like faith, can you, can you just start this one conference, a woman's conference? And so, I mean, of course, yes, God. And so I throw it thinking it's just going to be this cute, local church, you know, ladies, just come on in and let's just get encouraged for a day. But as the registrations were coming in, I mean, women from all over the United States were starting to fly in. And we had, I mean, we knew nothing. I literally, I was just like, are we supposed to give them like hotel accommodation codes? Like, how is this supposed (laughs) to work? Like, and I was shocked. I mean, there was so much healing that happened in that conference. Women went back to church. Women accepted Jesus Christ for the first time and it hit me. If we care about church revival, if we care about kingdom, we have to care about women's ministry mm. because that's 50% of the church. You, you, you want a revived church. You gotta at least activate the other 50%, you know? And I really, I just really felt God saying, go with this, go with this. And so that kind of just catapulted its way you know, after that, we had a inner healing retreat. After that, you know, um, people, women from other states started to reach out to me and say, like, I want to start a chapter here mm-hmm. in my state. Um, and just, it was definitely God started and God continued, God sustained, even through COVID. I mean, that was an adventure. You know, I, there's so many things that um, it was, there was a temptation to be discouraged and just end it. But, you know, I realized the hunger in women to know that God cares about their story, that God loves their opinions, that God gave them a voice so that it could be heard. You know, I think just being reminded again and again, how important that is, is what really sustained us through the pandemic time. So Mm, that's so good, man. I love that you are a pioneer, you're starting things that are hard, right? Easier to continue on something else, but you are a pioneer. And, um, you know, people, again, probably look at your life and ask you this question with their eyes or with their voice. How do you do it all? What do Mm -hmm. you tell them? How do you do all the things, Faith? I keep a very loose grip on life. And that's hard for somebody that's, quote unquote, a pioneer. Because oftentimes builders, what do we need? We need plans. We need things to move forward. We need momentum. Um, in a way, we need control. Everything about my Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8, Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENTJ. We need things to be solid. We need things <laughs> to move forward. But I think what helps me move forward, helps me sustain, is just have a loose grip on life. As in, if the Lord say it says, let this go. Then having that 
maturity and the humility to let it go. You know, and I mean that across the board, whether it's relationally, whether it's ministerially, uh, whether it's disappointments. I mean, if you are, I'm sure you know, if you are a pioneer leader in any way, you just got to get used to being disappointed. <laughs> you just That's have, right. You just, you just got to get used to it. And hey, a I, parent too. Can we say that? Can oh, we say yeah. a human in a pandemic? Like just get used to disappointment as a leader, right? Of yeah. any kind. That's a good word, Faith. Yeah. And even with, you know, children, it's like you have a set schedule. Yes, this works for us. Two weeks later, that schedule just doesn't work. You know, that napping schedule, that feeding schedule. You know, you you try to prioritize things with your husband. Hey, babe, you, you do this. I do this. Let's, you know, we got this. A week later, you realize you don't got this. And you just got to pivot, you know. And I think that's just what people always ask me for a formula. I don't have a great formula, you know, really. I think it's, I, I try, I realize um, the more formulas I, I have, um, the looser my grip becomes with just following God's voice. I realize the simpler, the better, you know, just hear his voice. And when he says, it's time to change, we change. It's time to let that go. It's time to let it go. Ch- time to shut that down. I mean, we, we had to shut down four conferences in 2020. Oh my goodness. The heartbreak. It hurts. You know, um, it does, but you know, God said, let it go. Mm. And you know, um, yeah, in order to really sustain and to thrive internally through all of this, I had to just really keep a loose grip on life and a tight grip on God. You know, those who hold on to their lives, lose it. Those who lose their lives will have it, you know, principle I live by. Are there a few practices though that you cling to? Are there a few of those, you know, kind of little things, whether they're keystone habits or just things that you say, this has to be in place. Ironically, I have to hold on to this so that I can have loose hands with everything else. Mm. Um, I would say one, I have a gratitude journal. I think I have to really constantly discipline myself to see what God is doing as opposed to what he's not. And I'll be honest, there are days when I do not want to write in this journal <laughs> today. <laughs> today. Baggage was- journal on the other days, frustration oh, yeah. journal. <laughs> I mean, there are days when you're like, I'm just not thankful, God. <laughs> I'm just not grateful. Um, but I believe that is a discipline. I think it's a discipline to fix our eyes on what God is doing as opposed to holding him hostage over what he's not doing. Um, So that's one. Um, Two, I make sure I have fun at least once a day. Mm, I love that. Yeah, because I'm a mom. I'm a boss. I'm a pastor. All of this is just, it could be so toxic to the soul. (laughs) And it could feel like almost, as if it's holy to be miserable. Oh God, I'm dying to myself. So I'm sure you're pleased. Um, but I think after a while I realized, no, I have to make sure I have fun at least once a day. You know, and that's important for me. Uh, even if it feels a little selfish. <laughs> but I do it. And you know, I do it to remind myself I'm not a machine that God uses. I'm his daughter, you know, and I believe experiencing his delight. And just delighting the life that he gives me is an important thing to keep going. That's so good, Faith. Let's zoom in. We just finished this series. 
and we were talking about the joys and challenges of female leadership. Let's zoom in specifically on moms with young kids, because I know there are a lot of listeners that are leaning in when you say, yes, I get it. Like it's hard and, mm-hmm. and I'm exhausted and maybe I'm ready to lean out, give up some hope and say, I'll catch it back up in 10 or 20 years. What are some of those typical challenges of moms with young kids who are leaders, who are called and who are also happen to be exhausted? Yep. I think it's so in, it's so tempting and easy to feel like your voice does not matter. That you are irrelevant. That if you quit, the world will keep turning. If you quit on your children, they will not keep turning. But if you quit on the world, the world will keep turning. And in a way, it's just so easy to have that mindset that I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm just a diaper changer at this point a snack monitor. Um, and yeah, it's just so easy to, to settle, you know? Um, and I think my encouragement to young moms is, um, you have a very particular perspective on the father's heart. Like you're experiencing something that no man could fully experience. And, you know, it's true. Like some of those moments when I was um, raising young children and going through the nursing, the the burping, I mean, I was exhausted and there were times when I was angry, but some of them were probably the holiest moments between me and God. And I remember I once spoke a sermon on some of those experiences. And I remember the men in the room were like, I have never seen that. I've never heard of that perspective on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like share, you know, I, but it's like an experience that only, you know, women could like, for example, I, I shared, you know, um, what it's like to have the Holy Spirit in you. Like, you know, something, a comparable experience is when the day I realized uh, when I saw my, uh, when I felt my child's heartbeat or not heartbeat, her movement in my belly, because for the first, I don't know, four months, it's, she's just a concept, just mm-hmm. a blip on the sonogram. That's all you know. And if you don't have too many symptoms, you're like, she's there in concept. But the moment you feel her, all of a sudden you have a reason. Like you realize mm-hmm. this is why I shouldn't be drinking that much coffee. This is why I should stay away from raw fish. Because up until that point, it was just like, make all these life changes because in theory, there's a child in you, a life in you that will get hurt. Yeah. Um, and when you realize, my goodness, there's a child that's pure, that's holy, that's bound to me by blood that will not leave me no matter what I do. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's like comparable to our experience of the Holy Spirit. He is the purest, the most powerful being in the all of the universe. And yet, He's bound to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And no matter what you do, he'll experience it with you. He'll be there with you. He'll be in the pain. He'll watch everything, but he will never leave. Just as a child in your womb will never leave. But mothers, because they know how precious a child is in the womb, they, you know, they make, they choose out of love to make these changes. But in that same way, how much more with the Holy Spirit, right? And I remember the men in the room were like, I would have never known that experience, you know? So I would say, young women, you have a perspective, uh, an experience that is so valuable 
that you need to vocalize, that you need to articulate, that you need to hold on to, you know, and and um, cherish, and you have a contribution in this world. Well, guys, remember, this is a two-part series, so we cut it in half. I promise you there's some really good stuff coming next week. And I just want to say thank you again to those who are supporting our Upstream campaign to go upstream to help leaders live and lead healthy. And if you're interested in helping provide scholarships for at-risk leaders, go ahead and visit our page over on storehouse.world. We're one of the creators there. We are dedicated to helping leaders get healthy and reach more impact. And that means we need to scholarship some leaders who are at risk. We would love for you to join our many supporters that have come upstream with us. We'll catch you on the next episode of the podcast. It's part two, where you get to hear from Faith about some very different, challenging, but I think crucial topics we need to discuss. So long.